This podcast is for educational purposes only and provides general home lending information. For specific home lending advice about your circumstances, contact a Chase Home Lending Advisor for more information. For more information on the various home buying resources mentioned in this podcast, please visit chase.com forward slash affordable. Hey, I'm Nadeska, and this is season two of Beginner to Buyer. Beginner to Buyer is powered by Chase Home Lending. You can get lots of helpful tools and resources to buy your first home by visiting beginnertobuyer.com. Now, I hope that the first episode of this season was a good refresher for you on all the things that you should be considering when you're thinking about homeownership. Of course, starting the process can be a little intimidating, but doing your research early will help you make decisions with much more confidence. And speaking of confidence, how can you know for sure if now is the right time to move forward with buying a home? Maybe the current real estate market conditions can seem a little confusing. Is it a buyer's market or is it a seller's market? How do the changing interest rates impact your decision to buy a house? house and when to refinance a house. What does all of this really mean for you? Our Chase expert, Andy Tisler, is going to help us answer those questions later in the episode. But first, we're going to hear from Jason Roberts in California. So Jason, I know um, that you have been looking to buy a home in the past few months, and I'm wondering what prompted that decision. Uh, currently, are you renting? I am currently renting. Um I've always wanted to own a home. Uh, I've always, you know, wanted that security and um, and equity and chance to build wealth. But I was a, a solo parent, uh, very young, so I was just never in the position to do so. Um, so as time has gone on, it just it just felt like a, a time for me to go ahead and look to see what was available out there. Okay, and how has your experience been uh, renting? Have you generally enjoyed being a renter, or it's something you felt like you were just uh, putting up with until you get by? Yeah, I would say more the latter because the, the thing about renting um, is that you have no control over it. Uh, you know, with you're, you're at the mercy of a landlord and, you know, their financial uh, needs slash wants. So, um, you know, the, you know, my, my rent here in the, in the seven years or so that I've been here, my rent has increased, you know, a hundred percent. So, you know, there's there's no way to control that other than, you know, moving out of the area. And so, uh, yeah, as a renter, you just feel like you have no control over, over, over your housing costs. Do you feel like you've been able to um, at least build a community or become a part of a community? Or is that also something that you think um, would be one of the benefits of homeownership? I think that's the, the biggest thing. I mean, I, you know, I was in contract on a condo for a few weeks before I uh, ultimately backed out. But, you know, even during that short period of time, I started to, you know, look into the history of the area and um, I started to feel like I was, you know, a, a, a sort of to get that sense that I was part of the community. Um, and as a renter, I just don't feel that. There is hope. It just, you know, sometimes takes a lot more work and some frustration and some patience. But you did mention that you were a single parent from a young age. Um, you do live in a, a, an area that has a high cost of living. So once you initially decided that you did want to purchase a home, tell me about how you went about in terms of thinking of your finances. Did you reach out to a lender to see what you could afford? How did that go? Yeah, so I've been I've been saving uh, for down payment for a few years now. and. I uh, felt, you know, it was a good time to see what I could do. And so I reached out to a lender to see what I could get qualified for. 
Um, and they came back based on my income, um, saying that I qualified for a house that was 650,000, which, um, if, you know, with, with my modest 3% down payment would have, uh, you know, equated to, uh, to 80% of my take home pay. So I thought that was, uh, you know, quite excessive. And that was actually one of the first kind of red flags that, you know, the market is not healthy and this, this, you know, um, that the, the institutions that are involved are, you know, maybe more encouraging than they should be. Um, so I just thought that was a crazy number to, to start with. Uh, but I, I, so I started looking, you know, at, at homes that were, were, you know, significantly less than that. I was looking more in the 400, 400,000 range, 400, 450,000 range. So it seems like you were very conscious of, you know, I think the, t- the term people would say is being house poor, right? Even though you could qualify for a house, then once you get in there, then, you know, you're worried about just sort of budgeting and taking care of day-to-day expenses, right? Absolutely. And uh, the, you know, I, I grew up in, um, you know, I grew up in a house with, you know, a uh, what you consider, you know, lower middle class family. And that was, you know, I was aware of my, my parents' struggle to afford their home. You know, I recognize that although I do want that security and, and you know, equity building and all the things, the, the positives that come with home ownership, I am not willing to pay the price to, you know, be completely restricted in my, in my lifestyle and also really have no you know, no emergency uh, backup for if something goes wrong. And I don't want to live under that stress of like, if something happens, I don't know how I'm going to handle it. So um, yeah, being house poor was definitely something I was trying to avoid for sure. I think that's a really, really, uh, you know, sensible and pragmatic way to to look at it, to not like, you know, overstretch yourself. So, you know, as you started actually looking for properties, did you get to the point where you were making offers? Like, did you come close to finding something that you liked? I was close. So I actually found uh, one home that I really loved, uh, but it was in the suburbs, um, had a huge yard. And unfortunately, that is the kind of home in this market, uh, you know, a, a single family home in the suburbs with a yard is sort of the the hot ticket now. So. That home ended up going for uh, $45,000 over asking, um, and I just didn't have the cash to be able to compete. So that one went away. Um, And then so I started, uh, I guess, adjusting what I was looking for, although that's what I would like. I realized that was also, you know, probably the houses that we're going to have the most competition for. So um, I started looking at some alternatives and, and I found a condo that was actually in a pretty good location. I liked the the location where it was over in West Sacramento. It's just across the river here. Um, and I made an offer and was, was told that there was, um, that there was a better competing offer. And so the offer that I made was at 430,000, which was the list price. I was told that there was a, a better offer and that if I was to come back with a bid of four hundred and fifty-five thousand, then I would win the win the house. So about five p.m. the next day, they finally came back saying, um, 
he came back saying, I talked her down to 445,000 and we really hope we can get this done. And I'm starting to write up a contract now. And if it doesn't work out, then we're going to put the home back on the market. Um, and I considered it, um, but still felt like they were just trying to get more cash out of me. And, um, and based on comps in the area, I thought that it was a relatively fair price for the market. So um, I came back with a $437,000 final offer, which they accepted. So I was under contract uh, for a few weeks. The, 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 the problem was that in order for me to afford the unit, it was a, a two bedroom, uh, one and a half bath, 983 square foot unit. So in order for me to afford that comfortably and not be house poor, my plan was to rent out one of those bedrooms as an Airbnb. Unfortunately, um, I didn't get the HOA documents until it was roughly three days before I was supposed to close on the unit. And unfortunately, the seller was had misrepresented the the, the HOA rules and it was that you, you couldn't actually do any leases that were shorter than 30 days. So the, the Airbnb plan was not going to work. And so once I realized that, um, I pulled out of the contract. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. Definitely with, with short-term rentals, they, you know, it's usually uh, difficult. Uh, is that something you would con- like consider moving forward for any other properties that you look for being able to sort of like rent to help offset your expenses? You know, it's something that is an option these days because of the financial reality of, of our market. So um, whether it's Airbnb or renting out, that is still a potential, you know, depending on the, the financial realities of the situation. Um, but if I could get into something that I could afford on my own, then I would probably more likely to do that. Okay. So after that experience, just generally speaking, how do you feel uh, about the idea of homeownership right now? You mentioned that you know the market is really, really difficult. Um, are you sort of tabling this for now or permanently? Do you think in a, in a year or two, you would revisit this and just keep saving in the meantime? I definitely plan on owning a home someday, but um, I really feel like the market has started to turn and this, this bubble or whatever you want to call it is starting to cool down. So it only benefits me to wait. Um, the prices are only going to go down. And I mean, just in the, in the time period of what I was making offers, um, the, the house that ultimately went for 45 over in March, I was locked in at a 3.75% interest rate at that point. Um, the condo, I was locked in at a 4.75% interest rate. So just with the interest rate alone, that has taken, you know, the, the, the cost and the financial costs of that mortgage to a point where, you know, it's just not worth it. It's not worth what you get for the money. So I think that's the, the, my biggest takeaway, honestly, it's been, although I still have that desire for homeownership, it's really made me uh, appreciate what I have, which is I have a place that I can afford, that I can call my own. And I still have the, you know, the the funds to live a lifestyle that you know that I want to live. 
Jason, I thank you for, you know, sharing your story. Um, I wish you luck on this home buying journey. I'm confident that you're going to find something that works for you and your family. And in the meantime, I'm going to take this question to our experts. Great. Thanks so much. Making the choice about whether to buy a home now or whether to wait a bit longer can be difficult because so many factors go into that decision and most of them are financial. This is more than likely the biggest financial investment you're going to make in your lifetime. So here to help us understand how the real estate market changes and how to navigate those changes is Andy Tisler. Andy is a senior Chase Home Lending Advisor. Thanks for having me here. Of course, thanks for being here. We have a lot of questions for you. I think in the past two to three years, the average American has heard more about interest rates than they ever imagined that they would in a lifetime. But whether they understand how those interest rates work, uh, that's a different story. So uh, how does the interest rate actually impact the housing market? Great question. Uh, You know, really in a low rate environment, it really provides a lot of incentive for buyers to really get out there and, and purchase, especially when you're looking at renting versus owning what are rent prices, what would the monthly payment be? So that's a very big impact uh, when, when you have the buyer looking at you know, buying power. As mortgage rates decrease, there's more buying power. So that consumer could go out there and purchase more house. Uh, and that really has spurred a, a huge, uh, that was, that's really been one of the huge triggers in the big demand in housing over the last few years. Now you're seeing the reverse take place where you know rates are uh, rising and that's putting a lot of pressure on buying power uh, and it's causing a lot of home buyers to really make difficult decisions on whether they should buy or rent because now we're also dealing with inflation rent prices going up so there's a lot to consider when uh, buyers are looking at making their next purchase uh, as a first-time home buyer if somebody already owns a home now they're thinking i i have this home i have a great rate on it should i really you know I, I could use the extra space or we'd like to relocate, but should, you know, should I make that decision based on the fact that I'm trading my lower rate mm-hmm. and, and taking on a higher rate? So it's really causing a lot of decisions for, for home buyers and consumers. And that's something that um, in my position, I'm really helping clients sort through on a daily basis. Okay, that's a really good point because when you're trying to make a, a home purchase, especially if you're a first-time buyer, uh, there's a lot that you have to consider in terms of your your budget and what you're going to be dealing with for the next few years. So, how big of a factor should rates be in that decision? And also, you know, there's also the um, the option to refinance at some point. So, when you're thinking about those two things, how should you approach that situation? Yeah, yeah, another great question. So. You know, one of the things that, you know, we're using right now in the, in the mortgage industry, and there's a lot of truth to it, is you rent the rate and you buy the home. So as a home buyer, you know, you're going in to make a long, potentially a long-term purchase. You know, if that price, is, you know, is a good price point for you and you're comfortable with that, even if that rate is potentially a little bit on the higher side currently, we have to think through the implications of, you know, is there a refinance opportunity that may present itself in the future that can help bring that rate down? Especially if you lock in a 30-year fixed rate, you know that that will be the highest the rate will go. Uh, when you're renting, there's a very good likelihood you might see rent increases. When you're purchasing, you have that cap on the rate. And if you have a refinance opportunity in the future, then, then great. If not, you at least cap yourself for that you know, longer-term period uh, so that's really one of the decisions as you're purchasing is, is thinking through, is this comfortable, this payment comfortable now, 
knowing that that rate will not go up for me if I get a fixed rate uh, and potentially might decrease uh, with refinance opportunities in the future. Okay. And before we get further into refinancing, you mentioned uh, getting a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, for example. Um, Now, of course, the rate you get varies depending on the type of mortgage you get. Can you tell us about some of those different types of mortgages? The 30-year fix has been the staple. It's been the staple historically. It's a long-term mortgage. It has ultimate security in that the the rate will never increase and that the payment will never increase. And it provides a lot of flexibility to home buyers. Uh, There's also shorter term options like a 20 or a 15 year fix. The 20 year fix has been a really nice sweet spot in this environment. The payment is higher because you got to pay it off in 20 rather than 30 years, but you can get a nice lower rate uh, typically than a 30 year fix. So for those that are hoping to get a little bit of a lower interest rate and they're comfortable with that payment, the 20 years a nice sweet spot, then you have the 15 and 10 year fix as well. You also do have adjustable rate mortgages, interest-only mortgages as well. These are things that we're looking with case-by-case with clients. But really, uh, in in my position, uh, anticipating what potentially is ahead, uh, it's it's a great idea a lot of times to stick with a very safe, conservative mortgage to provide stability and just a lot of volatility in in some of these markets. And is there any situation where you would advise that a buyer consider um, an adjustable rate mortgage, like a 10-year adjustable, for example? Great question. Yeah, the, the, the ARM options, generally the incentive there is the rates are lower. So if you can get a five, seven, or 10-year ARM at a lower rate, well, you're going to have savings in that period. So for buyers that know this isn't a forever home, or they do have a defined 10-year plan to pay their mortgage off, um, those are two great examples of when an arm might make sense because they know that it's very unlikely they'll need that mortgage past 10 years. And then there's, there's also uh, uh, those consumers that really just feel comfortable with these products, knowing that they want to just get the lower rate. And in 10 years, even if it's not paid off, they'll look at refinance opportunities sometime within that 10-year period. So those are the more active consumers that are actively checking in on mortgage rates, staying in tune with the markets and looking at opportunities to to really refinance uh, within that period before rate adjustments occur. Okay, thank you. That definitely makes sense. Uh, You settle into your home, um, you're keeping an eye on mortgage rates over the next couple of years. At which point might you wanna consider refinancing? How do you think about the interest rate at that point? So first of all, it's it's a good idea to have a trusted lending advisor, somebody like myself, that you can periodically check in with. So for my clients, we're doing annual mortgage reviews as like a baseline. And certainly we can do even more frequent check-ins when necessary. But it really just depends on, uh, you know, the cost benefit. Uh, It's a very simple formula of what are the costs to refinance? Mm -hmm. And then what are your monthly and lifetime savings for that that refinance? Um, So then you, you look through Uh, you know, what kind of rate savings do you have? How long do you anticipate staying in that home? How much are you really planning to save over that term? So those are the things we look at closely when we look at refinance uh, scenarios, making sure that we're doing it with the best interest in mind for the client, that they're getting, you know, good monthly savings, interest savings over the term, and it makes sense for them long-term. 
Okay. And look, refinancing a home probably isn't the most exciting process, but if it's beneficial, it makes sense to go ahead with it. How many times can you actually refinance a home? Yeah, great question. So there's no prepayment penalties on any of our mortgage products on the residential side. So theoretically, you can refinance anytime, Mm -hmm. as many times as it makes sense. Okay. And so you mentioned uh, a specific window. So uh, if you close on a mortgage with Chase and you notice two months later, the rates have dropped, that refinancing process, um, does a buyer expect to have to, you know, you have to share all of your financial documents, your assets. Will you go through the same process again? Uh, When you are refinancing, you are applying for a new mortgage. So uh, you have to basically get loan approval and qualify for loan approval uh, like it's a fresh loan. Now, there's many efficiencies. Uh, In many scenarios, we can uh, access and use some of the information from previous files uh, and applications to help streamline the process. Um, There's appraisal waivers that could potentially happen to make it a more streamlined process. So uh, although you're applying for loan approval, uh, again, independently, uh, there, there certainly are efficiencies that we can leverage depending on how long ago the last loan application took place. Okay, great. That's really exciting news for people like me who really hate uh, finding and uploading (laughs) paperwork. So thank you, Andy. Um, And so um, what are some alternative types of funding that are available to first-time homebuyers? Yeah, you know, one of the exciting things that we are um, get to work with right now is our Chase Homebuyer Grant. So that is a grant program that Chase has allocated funding for. It's uh, in all areas of the country, uh, depending on the census track of the property, the location of the property, the property may be eligible for either $2,500 or $5,000 grant. And that is, uh, these are funds that can go towards closing costs or down payment assistance. Uh, So it's an exciting program that we're uh, leveraging uh, to help our home buyers make the buying process more affordable. Chase has a lot of great information online um, that's available uh, for, for anyone to view. And certainly uh, the, the best next step would be to reach out to um, a home lending advisor and they can better help clients understand the locations of availability, how that could apply towards their home purchase uh, and making sure that they can fully leverage uh, that great program. Okay, thank you. And, you know, I would like to talk a little bit about just the state of of the housing market. So in episode one of the season of Beginner to Buyer, we spoke about the different types of housing markets. So I'm wondering, what are a few things that you've seen that have changed from last year to this year that I should really be aware of before going out to buy a home? Yeah, great question. So, you know, last year was a, a big continuation of what was going on with, you know, low interest rates, spurring a lot of activity for home buyers. COVID was causing a lot of people to make life decisions, relocations, moving into different areas, bigger spaces, smaller spaces, just you know, uh, uh, different uh, life changes that had caused people to make moves. And so there was just a lot of activity going on and lower rates certainly spurred that as well. That caused a huge seller's market to really occur. So for, for home buyers, they had low inventory, you know, they're facing multiple offer scenarios constantly. And, and it was, you know, it was somewhat of a tough environment to be in. So now we're seeing a little bit more stability in the markets. It's causing buyers to be able to just get in normally. 
and uh, and view and, and make offers on properties in a more you know normal setting. Uh, but higher interest rates are really now causing, again, back to that buying power. It's causing you know a, a lot more uh, conversation around you know this buying decision, where when you had low rates, it was a little bit easier to see payment affordability, and now we're seeing that buyers are really comparing affordability in this inflationary period. Absolutely. I think affordability is the key word uh, you used there. And I think one of the big decisions uh, people are making, and you mentioned this earlier, is trying to determine if it makes sense to keep renting or, or buying. So, you know, I think what would you say is sort of the, the fastest or most straightforward way to determine if it's still worth it for you to go out and buy this year versus to just keep renting? Yeah, certainly. One of the exercises that we look at a lot is just a rent versus buy scenario. And looking at number one, what is what what would the monthly payment difference be if you were to rent or buy a very similar type of a of a place, um, and uh, and that that's really one thing that we look at in terms of buying power. Uh, but then also looking at um, potential uh, upward pressure in the rent space. So we're seeing a lot of areas rent prices are continuing to see upward pressure. So for people that are ready to make a longer term move, uh, you know, buying is going to have a, a lot more advantages and you're seeing stability and you're, you're kind of capping your prices. Whereas if you're still a little bit more unsettled in where you want to be long-term, um, especially as, as people are examining remote work and coming back to work and where should they be uh, positioned longer term, you know, renting can still make sense just until they have a little bit more stability in long-term prospects. Uh, for any of our listeners who are still feeling a little bit unsure about if now is actually the right time to buy, uh, I rec- recommend you going back to season one, episode three, uh, is home ownership right for me? I think that might be really, really help- helpful for you. Um, and Andy, I do have uh, one more question for you. Um, for our Money Matters segment, I was wondering if you could help us out with the math behind the mortgage. What are some of the tools uh, available to help buyers break down all the math that goes into determining whether to finance or refinance a home? Yeah, great question. So number one, I have a amortization schedule that is open on my computer at all times. So I'm always looking <laughs> at, you know, when you look at uh, a payment for a mortgage and, you know, loan amount rate, what does that payment end up being? One of the things to look at is really how much principal am I earning every year? How much principal will I accumulate in five years of home ownership? Uh, because certainly looking at just a monthly payment Comparison is one thing, but if you see that it's costing maybe two or three hundred dollars a month more to own, but you're gaining forty thousand dollars of equity in five years, that's a huge consideration to make. So certainly, looking at how much equity build do I have on different amortizations, and that's something that you can easily uh, pull up through uh, through resources online. Chase.com has an amortization. Uh, calculator as well. And then certainly you can calculate with your mortgage advisor. Uh, The other thing is really looking at uh, a calculator that gives you all in costs for a property. So when you're looking at a property, it's not only the mortgage, it's property taxes, insurance, um, assessments when there's associations involved. So really getting a good understanding of the all in payment. And you know, the great thing about um, running these numbers is Chase uh, has a payment calculator on the, on their website 
that really can help you run those numbers and really get a good sense when you're looking at a property or if you're looking at examining a refinance, what kind of payment difference um, you'll see uh, through different rates, loan amounts, when you factor in property taxes, insurance. So it really helps you simulate a lot of great, uh, a lot of various scenarios that can help you determine uh, what makes the most sense. That is super, super helpful. Andy, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to help us understand everything about financing, refinancing, and interest rates. We definitely appreciate your time. For sure. Well, great to have, uh, thanks for having me on and, and great to be with you all. Hopefully, Andy cleared up some questions for you about interest rates, refinancing, and home buying readiness. Join me next time as we talk about how building and maintaining relationships with your home buying team can work in your favor financially. Until then, you can learn more by visiting beginnertobuyer.com. And for more information on the topic, is homeownership right for me? I think you should check out episode three from season one. Beginner to Buyer was created by Magnet Media and Chase Home Lending. Our executive producers are Ashley Bobo and Akash Vaswani. Our lead producer is Pamela Lawrence and our media editor is Matthew DiPietro. This podcast is for educational purposes only and provides general home lending information. It is not intended to provide legal, tax, or financial advice or to indicate the availability or suitability of any J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., product or service. Chase is also not responsible for and does not provide or endorse third-party products, services, or other content discussed in this podcast. For specific home lending advice about your circumstances, contact a Chase Home Lending Advisor for more information. If you'd like to check out the Home Buyer Assistance Finder, Chase My Home, the DreamMaker Mortgage, and other home buying tools and resources mentioned in this podcast, make sure to visit chase.com forward slash affordable.